Welcome to the podcast of San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. My name is Dee Kelly, and it is such a privilege to be part of this church and have the privilege of leading us into God's Word on a weekly basis. We are located at 3901 Loma Land Drive in the Point Loma area of San Diego, and we would love to invite you to our services that take place at 1030 on Sunday morning, along with Sunday school classes that take place at 9 o'clock. We would love to have you join us, but if you are unable to, we welcome you to continue listening in on the podcast as we dig into readings each week. And this particular reading comes to us from James chapter 5. We have been in James for a number of weeks. We believe that the writer of this um, particular letter or epistle is the brother of Jesus. We find him referenced several times in the New Testament, and we believe that this is a collection of writings that are reflective of some of the things that he taught to his congregation in the area where he ministered, that they are not necessarily a singular sermon or a singular writing, but a collection of a number of the things that he spoke over time to try and encourage a congregation that had the potential to be split for a variety of reasons, to be torn apart by the circumstances they faced. And so it seems very appropriate for us to learn from the wisdom of James. And in fact, this could be considered one of the wisdom pieces of our Bible. We typically think of the Old Testament books of Song of Songs, Proverbs, Um, Job as being wisdom literature. Well, this is a New Testament wisdom piece because it speaks about the wisdom that it takes to follow Christ in all that we do. The book has several characteristics. One is that it certainly highlights the need for our faith to have an action associated with it, that the call to... um, follow Christ is a call to put into practice the things of Christ. Uh, Characteristic or maybe um, a marker of this entire book is James 1.22, which says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So James is very much a doer. He is one who believes that these actions that we take are not ways by which we barter with God or that we earn God's grace. Instead, James is proposing that God's grace changes who we are, remodels us, remakes us into the image of God that is stamped deep within us, brings us to the fulfillment of our greatest potential. And the consequence or the outgrowth of that is that we will see evidence in our lives by what we do, by how we act and interact, by how we touch the lives of other people, by how we live. So it is an outgrowth of our identity, not a way by which to earn God's grace. Well, I would like to read the passage that we're looking at this morning. It is James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Is any one of you in trouble? That person should pray. Is anyone happy? Well, then sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? 
Then call the elders of the church to pray and anoint the person with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise that person up. If one has sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner away from his error will save that person from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I find in verses 13 and 14 an interesting uh, culmination in many ways of this book, This epistle that is written to address some difficult things that the people in the church were facing. And here we have not only the culmination of uh, the epistle itself or the letter itself, but spiritually speaking, it is as if so many of the components of this letter lead to this moment when the writer says, Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? Sing songs. Are you sick? Bring together others and be anointed. Well, if we look more closely at this, we might find that in essence, the answer to all of these things is the same response. If you are in trouble, pray. If you are happy, then do another form of prayer, which would be to sing songs of praise. Are any of you sick? We'll bring together the elders of the church, anoint with oil, and pray. So it seems like the common response to all of these things is pray, pray, pray. So this morning we're going to talk a little more deeply about prayer, the problem with prayer and the joys of prayer. But first I want to acknowledge that this opening um, notes that in any given congregation or group, there will be some people that may be in trouble, others that are experiencing all kinds of blessing and are very happy, and others who are sick. It is a mixture that takes place in every group that's gathered, and uh, you may fall into one of those three categories or a dozen other categories. But when we come together in community, we come together as a group of people that are mixed in terms of what we bring into the moment. I would propose as well that part of what makes us not only a human community, but makes us human as individuals is that we can contain these things at the same time. We are complex. We are complicated creatures. And it is possible for us to both be in trouble 
and happy, to be sick and to be caring for others, to be uncertain and still confident. It is this mixture that in many ways makes us common as we can hold multiple feelings at one time. And yet the response to all of them is pray. Don't miss out on what prayer brings to your life and the way in which prayer keeps us connected to that which is essential and powerful and good and the best of who we are. And so as we dig into this, hear first and foremost the admonition to pray, whether it's through song, through laughter, through walks, through bowing our heads, through offering ourselves in reflection. Let's remember to pray. Well, let me consider for a moment the scope of prayer. When I think of prayer, I, I tend to think of three major issues that center around prayer. One is God's character. Prayer is that which makes me reflect on God and what God does in the world and in the scope of my life. God is creator. God as Redeemer, God as Companion, God as Lord. The characteristics of God, God as love, God as holy, God as full of compassion, God as the prime mover, God as omnipotent, God as omniscient. So the characteristics of God, it's easy for my view of God simply to be a reflection of my own self, a God of my own making. But God's transcendent to me, not dependent on me in any fashion. And as soon as I create God, I minimize what God is. But instead, if I let God create me, I begin to realize God's power and grace and love and the ways in which I might be formed when I recognize that I am not God and I allow God to be God. So prayer takes me into that place where I consider God's character. But I also consider my own identity in prayer. Who am I? I find myself so very often wrestling with what other people think of me, what the world says I'm lacking, what advertisers say I need. Prayer helps me to explore my own identity. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Prayer also raises my awareness of the needs around me. They may be my own personal needs, and that's very important, but they might also be the needs of others, the needs within our world, the needs of global issues. They may be a bit overwhelming because I think I have no voice or no opportunity to make a change in any of those needs. And some of that may be true. And maybe I need to let go of those things after I become aware of them. 
but then to recognize my role or part in some of the needs that I see. So I move from God's character to my identity, to the needs that are around me, and then see how the Holy Spirit might bring those three together in my life. Well, the title of this message is The Problem with Prayer. Probably should not be a singular problem. I should simply say the problems with prayer because it feels to me that there are many. Most of them, I guess, would probably center around my own misunderstandings or my struggles. I don't know that prayer is a problem in and of itself, but it creates problems in my journey. I'll give you an example. Very often I pray in a particular way, asking God to make a change, asking God to bring about something different than currently is. And I often pray as if I have to persuade God to care. That's a problem. Because God cares more than I could ever care. It's almost as if I am persuading God to love. As if somehow I love my children or my spouse or my friend or a person in need more than God could possibly love that individual. Well, that's a problem because it's simply not true. If God is love and God is the source of all love, then whatever love I have is a reflection, and I'll have to say a poor reflection, of God's love. God's love is complete and pure and whole. It longs for redemption, reconciliation, it has moved before creation even began for ways by which we could be reunited with the one who created us in relationship and in love. So when I offer prayers that sound as if they are petitions trying to persuade God to care or to love for someone that I care for and love, then I have certainly misunderstood God's character and that's a problem. So maybe in my prayer, I return to that place where I realize that God is the prime mover of love and that I step into God's love in my prayers as opposed to pleading with God to love. I also find another problem, and that's in my identity I find myself so often being influenced by what other people think. And sometimes that cripples me. It leaves me in places where I have placed more value on others and what they say or what they have done than what God can do in my life or how God can redeem. I have a wonderful children's book I've presented to you before. I won't read the entire book, but it's a wonderful book by David Shannon. It's entitled A Bad Case of Stripes, and it is the wonderful, delightful story of a young girl who loved lima beans, but she never ate them. All of her friends hated lima beans, and she wanted to fit in. Camila is her name, and she was always worried about what other people thought of her. The book is filled with pictures and storylines of what happens when she becomes so taken with what other people think 
and she begins to become what other people think. It's a children's book, but it is so poignant about how adults live their lives as well. The solution to this dilemma was a sweet, wonderful lady who showed up the house at the house in the midst of the worst of this bad case of stripes. And she offered Camila some lima beans, lima beans that she loved, but she acted as if she hated them because she cared so much about what people think. Finally, she confessed, I love lima beans, took a mouthful and returned to her old self. And the last two pages depict the joy and happiness of Camila as she lives into her identity as a child who loves lima beans. A children's story that strikes home for me, that I have been molded and shaped by my family of origin, my family of friends, the people around me. Now I want to tell you that I do care deeply about what people think and what people feel. This is not a statement to ignore them. It is a statement instead to say that we can care deeply about what other people think and feel, but proclaim inwardly that they do not comprise our identity. I belong to God. You belong to God. God has stamped God's image on us. Our identity is in Christ. And it's there that we find who we are, our self-worth, our value as individuals. And it's out of that rock-solid place that we live out our lives, caring about other people, being compassionate. But so often the problem with prayer is that I have not allowed God to chip away the things that don't belong. The voices, the comments, the pain, the hurt, the injury, the trouble. It's like Michelangelo as he addressed a piece of granite in which he saw something that he was going to allow to come forth. And his statement was that he just chips away the things that don't belong until that which was always inherent within springs forth. It was always there. What covered it up need to be chipped away. And so we let God work in our life through prayer to chip away those things that don't belong in our identity, in our worth. We belong to God. And one of the problems with prayer is that part of what is dross, what is extra, has not yet been chipped away. And so we need to return to prayer and deal with that first. Then the final portion that I want to mention today in regard to the problems with prayer are the many, many needs around us. Sometimes our own problems are overwhelming, much less the problems of anyone else. Our emotions, our hurt, our pain. I want to say that sometimes we underestimate how God has answered prayer in so many ways. 
I've mentioned before with the uh, marriage that took place in Cana of Galilee, where Jesus turns water into wine, that God does that every day, just in a slower process. The process of grapevines that take moisture from the ground and bring them up through the vines and into the grapes, where the water itself gets processed by God's amazing creation into these grapes that can be pressed and fermented and become wine. It is a miracle that happens all of the time. We just were taken back that it took place in a shorter amount of time. But God's work is all around us, just not always on our timetable. So we struggle with illness, with pain, with injury. And yet, over generations, God, through the curiosity of humankind, our minds have taken us to new scientific discovery, hours of labor, people who spend years in med school and residencies, that God answers prayer over time in ways that we never thought possible 200 years ago. So sometimes we need to pray with respect to time and that sometimes God works through time. So in this passage, for those who are sick, the instruction is to bring together others. Come into the community. Because when one member of the community is sick or ill or in trouble, it affects the whole community. Likewise, when somebody is experiencing blessing or joy or happiness, it affects the whole community. So bring the community together. And then take oil and anoint the person. Now, I, I don't want to um, move past this too quickly because there are a couple things I want to say about oil. There's not something magical in the oil. I am told that in the ancient community at the time when this was written, um, oil was the best understanding many had of how to treat certain conditions. Old Testament talks about treating leprosy or a variety of skin ailments, diseases or rashes with oil. In other words, the skin that's parched, that's cracked, that's hurt, that's sore, that's ulcerated, treat it with oil. It was a very practical treatment for those who might be sick. Um, some who had a very common cold, it might be that the upper lip would be touched or anointed with oil. It wasn't magic in terms of how prayer worked. It was like this book, at least in many cases, just very practical. And another piece that I am told is true is that there are some people within the community who would not have access to oil. Those who are poor, and James often references the poor, may not have access to that which could just simply help them. And so the admonition is come together as a community and have oil that can be accessible to all so that people can be treated and that all can be prayed over. And so this is a call for us 
to use the best knowledge that we have of what is good for ailments and to make it accessible to everyone. As we come to the conclusion of this message, I want to propose that being anointed with oil is a following of the admonition in Scripture. It also is this wonderful symbolic moment where we recognize as a community that we are in this together. We pray for one another. And when we anoint with oil, are able to do that when we're in person, it is a recognition of what God has done through the ages and what God can do now in bringing about healing. We pray for healing. It is appropriate for us to do so. In doing it, it ignites within us compassion, participation. It ignites our righteousness so that we might put action in our hands, in our feet, in our prayers, notes of encouragement, love. These things enhance a person's well-being and contribute to the healing process. And then we pray that God might do what we are unable to do. That God might fill the gap of what our knowledge lacks, our resources are limited, and that God can step into those places and make a difference. That's part of what happens when we pray. And so this morning, I propose to you, are you feeling like you are in trouble? Maybe this is a season where you're happy and it's time to sing a song of praise and prayer. Please do so. If you're feeling in trouble or feeling sick, I would love this morning to pray for you and to recognize that we are in community together and want to find ways of how we can help one another. And so I offer this prayer of blessing. God, will you step into these moments with us, with the person who needs your touch and your prayer. May you this morning, listener, know God's love for you. May you know Christ's intercession on your behalf. And may you know the Holy Spirit's healing work in you and through you. So God, will you step into the gap beyond what we know to do or are able to do, where our knowledge comes up to a limit and we don't know where to step next. If this is healing of old tapes that play in our heads or issues of self-worth, things that need to be chipped away, may they be replaced with your love for us, your view of us. May our identity come into compliance, into agreement with your love for us. You are our creator. You are our designer. We have been uniquely and wonderfully made by you. So may you bring healing to that side of who we are. May you be patient with us as we long to know your character better. And may we live into what we know about you as creator, as holy, 
as gracious, as redeemer, as Lord, as provider and protector. And then, Lord, may we not only experience healing ourselves, but guide us in our prayers and our actions that we might become healing agents for those around us. Call us to have a vision for that which is bigger than ourselves and help us to continue with strength, caring for one another. And then, Lord, give us courage to step into new places of care and compassion. For this, we thank you and praise your wonderful name. Amen. Well, I pray that you have a wonderful week, and may God's Spirit be with you and give you peace.